Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. The next session is uh, on using technology to improve the development process. Joining us for this session are uh, my colleague, Mary Ellen Bench, Arash and Ralph. Mary Ellen will introduce Arash and Ralph, uh, but just briefly outline Mary Ellen's uh, bio and experience. Uh, Mary Ellen serves as counsel in the Denton's Municipal Planning, Land Use and Development Law Group with me, uh, where she advises a broad range of public and private sector clients on governance, municipal law, development, infrastructure, and related matters. Throughout her career, um, clients and colleagues alike have relied on Mary Ellen's exceptional skill set and professional excellence to lead numerous infrastructure and development projects, uh, provide significant input on governance matters and municipal legislative reform, and advise on many municipal corporate development and finance matters. She has more than 30 years of experience working in the municipal public service, uh, both with the City of Toronto and the City of Mississauga. Uh, Mary Ellen is also an active member of our Dentons Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. Um, she frequently participates on panels providing insight within this space um, and how uh, our clients, including developers and municipalities, can leverage smart, te smart technologies to plan for and create communities based on principles of healthy, sustainable development and ways to improve the development process. Uh, Mary Ellen has also been chosen as an annual contributor to the Thomson Reuters uh, O'Brien's Encyclopedia of Forms Publications, um, form publications to provide legal insight from a smart city's perspective. So over to Mary Ellen uh, to introduce Arash and Ralph, and, and thank you all for joining us. Thanks very much, Kat, for that introduction. Our issue is uh, using technology to improve and change the development approvals process to reduce both time and confusion. Arash Shahi uh, is joining us today. He is an entrepreneur and innovator with significant achievements in the architectural, engineering, construction, and academic sectors. He is recognized for his ability to bring stakeholders together on collaborative initiatives and is a digital technology visionary. He was recently named one of the top 40 under 40 in Canadian construction. Arash holds a PhD in construction engineering and management technologies and is CEO of Eco Innovation Lab, which he co-founded to lead digital transformation of AEC industries and governments through a collaborative R&D projects, innovative products, and expert consulting. He is also an adjunct professor at the University of Waterloo and is the research chair of the Toronto BIM community. And he sits on the board of directors of Building Smart Canada. Our 
other speaker uh, is also extremely accomplished, Ralph Kaminsky. Uh, he is currently Chief Building Official and Director of Building Services at the Town of Oakville. Uh, before joining the Town of Oakville, Ralph was the Chief Building Official for the City of Waterloo for a number of years. Ralph is a great believer in creating efficiencies through standardization and digitization and is very active in working to accomplish this in the region of Halton and beyond. Uh, so thank you for joining us today, Arash and um, Ralph. Uh, we have a, a number of matters that we'd like to go through uh, today. So I guess the first, the first question I had, um, we've heard a lot about today, the, the building process in Canada and the delays. It takes a long time to get a permit in Canada. I, I think the, the World Bank survey ranked Canada as 64th out of 190 nations in terms of obtaining building permits. Uh, what do you see as the biggest problem and how, how do you see us being able to tackle it? So, Araj, if we could start with you. Sure, yeah. Uh, good afternoon. I guess good morning, everybody. Thanks for having us on this panel. Uh, to answer your question, May, uh, we've looked into this issue for a number of years. In my previous position at the University of Toronto, uh, we did a number of pilots with the City of Toronto, Waterloo, when Rock was at Waterloo, uh, and a few other municipalities. And um, the, the challenge that exists um, is that the processes, and Rolf can talk to this a lot better than I can, but uh, the existing systems are very paper-based. There are manual processes in place, and the governments haven't really kept up with the technology uh, that's been happening on the industry side. So, uh, so we are relying on paper-based manual processes. And one of the biggest, from all the research that we've done over the years, uh, one of the main issues that we identified was the communication between municipalities and all the different stakeholders. Because often you have a number of different agencies that need to get involved in a single application. And the communication between these different agencies um, it, it is very inefficient. So we have municipalities who are picking up e-permitting solutions and are going digital with their internal processes. We have regional governments who are investing in their digital infrastructure. And we have all sorts of agencies, including conservation, transportation, and others uh, who are investing in their own digital infrastructure. However, these systems don't even talk to each other. So the, the one line of communication remains paper. Now, whether you fax the paper or you email the paper or you scan the paper, regardless, uh, it, it is a paper-based communication. And that's something that we've kind of worked on uh, for a number of years and we can uh, drill down more into that. But that lack of communication, lack of transparency in that communication, um, to me, is one of the underlying challenges. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Ralph, uh, you and I have both been on the inside of that experience. And uh, is there anything you can add? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the communication piece is, is vitally important. And uh, Arash is right when it comes to moving paper. That is across the province probably the only thing that's consistent. But what I did notice in the previous presentation with the, the model first approach, even there, the government was not mentioned. There was not a, a circle representing the planning or the building department. Now, I see that as one of the challenges as well. There's there's a, a lot of work that's done without the involvement of the municipalities. Uh, the example given about uh, the future state in the garage becoming a battery storage potentially. Fantastic idea, wonderful idea. 
if it's going to allow that, that could be a smooth transition. If it's not, maybe you want to take those 10 years while it's a parking structure and start planning for what it would take to get it to be a battery storage facility. And I know that was just an example, but I want to build on that example to, to show that the earlier the municipalities and the agencies are involved in those decisions, the better we can prepare for them. One thing that I find fantastic with the BIM technology is the fact that it's, it's using static information and, and applying variables to that. There's a tremendous opportunity here for us to connect those uh, assets with the codes and standards so that we could potentially generate software that will verify the assets that are illustrated on the BIM model actually are in compliance with the codes and regulations and that they're in the right place working in harmony with the building. I think there's a tremendous opportunity. There's a tremendous opportunity for the, this type of conversation to continue. I was fortunate enough to sit on uh, other conferences, actually. IBM had the international conference in uh, Las Vegas a few years ago, and they talked about how government is not at the table and how government is slow to react. Well, if government is not invited, if government is not included or consulted, it's no wonder they're at the tail end. And one of the reasons why I'm excited to be part of this panel and this discussion and this movement is that they include us in your visions, include us in what's going on out there so that progressive municipalities like the town of Oakville, we can start to be ready for that. We won't react to you when you come to the counter with an innovative solution. We'll be ready. And some of the solutions will be greater than just an Oakville solution. Some of them may require a change Excuse me, at the provincial level. Some may even require a change at the federal level. So again, it's very important for us to be at the table, be part of these communications and understand what some of the issues are. And that's, as you say, all three levels of government have a role in terms of being involved in that. Can you explain a little bit more about the, the BIM model, the building information modeling in terms of how it, it would fit with issuing permits? I can jump into that. Um, so just pointing on your last point, uh, last conversation about the three levels of government. I think I just want to highlight what Raf was saying. We have progressive municipalities who are willing to test new technology, who are willing to push the envelope. But when you look at, we've done an international scan of uh, government digitizations around the world. And in every single successful implementation, there has been a top-down approach. So, so we need the buy-in of the provincial and the federal governments if we're make if we're to make any sort of inroads at the municipal level. Because the reality is we got over 400 municipalities in Ontario relying on individual municipalities to, to uh, implement transformative change without having the support of the higher level governments is just not feasible. It has, and every other jurisdiction that has done this um, has, has had that support. Now going to BIM, Canada remains the only G20 country without a national BIM map. So uh, I think we need a few seconds for, to digest that. Uh, and that's just an indication of the lack of support from the top down. Um, we have, we've done three national BIM surveys to date. The next one is being launched next week. Um, and these BIM surveys have indicated that our industry is ready. You, you heard from the last conversation that uh, our, our design community and our developer community is investing in technology. Uh, but now we need the government to step up. To step up. Um, and take advantage of to, to answer your question, the, we have the industry investing in BIM, which is basically a 3D parametric representation of a building, but then a municipality, and I'm not picking individual municipalities here, they would then expect you to print in 2D 
your 3D model and submit that for permit, right? There's a lot of information loss that's happening from that going from the model, let alone all the costs associated with it. But there's a lot of information loss happening going from a 3D model to a 2D drawing that some municipalities you have to hand deliver. So it's, it's paper. Um, so, to, and I, Ralph mentioned this before, once we have BIM as, as a way of submitting for a permit, then there's a lot of automation that can happen. Because even though a number of municipalities are talking about digitizing their services through e-permitting, uh, it's basically the same process. They've just digitized the paper process. So you have, a, instead of a paper drawing, you have a PDF drawing. But going to BIM, that's the true digitization because with that digitization, you can then have automation. If you have a 3D model that comes into the municipality, then they can run automated code compliance up. So you can check it against the building code before it even hits the municipality. You can check the code, you can check the fire code, the building code, the energy codes, uh, and it supports the national vision of Canada for moving towards performance-based codes. Uh, so to me, uh, being able to equip the municipalities and the governments to leverage the investments already made uh, by our industry in going digital towards a BIM platform, um, it, it, the opportunities are, um, are countless. And it also fits within the digital twin perspective, right? So if you have, if you have BIM models being submitted, um, mm -hmm. then those BIM models will eventually form your digital twin. Um, so that's another uh, point of why municipalities should be interested um, in looking at in, in this technology going forward. And I can see that technology being very helpful in, in today's world. Like we talk about new construction, but there's also a lot of construction where you're building, you're taking a heritage building and you're building a tower on top of it or uh, otherwise using older buildings so that having that, that 3D modeling would be very helpful to municipalities. So in, in terms of, of moving forward with this, you mentioned the, uh, the, the role of the federal and provincial government in terms of financing, but I think there's also a role for them in terms of building code, because we have a national building code that applies to a lot of federally regulated buildings, and we have the provincial building codes. Uh, are they equipped to fit in with a digital environment? Ralph, maybe you can uh, start that. Yeah, they're already working to harmonize the, the Ontario Building Code and the National Building Code. It's going to take a little bit more time than, than expected. In, in some areas, the Ontario Building Code is ahead of the National Building Code, and in other areas, the National is ahead. So what we're trying to do is take the best from both codes and marry them into uh, one National Building Code. Now, but just backing up for a minute, what Arash was talking about with the, with the modeling, there are a lot of uh, advantages to modeling, but for me, the, the first step is the improved quality of submission. If the, if the documents are actually complete, as they would have to be for a model, there would be more accurate information submitted. I think one of the challenges municipalities face is getting all the infra information they need to process a complete application. There's always a rush to get everything through, so let's start the process as quickly as we can. Let's start a process with incomplete applications. I'm hoping that when we introduce the, the BIM system, you won't be able to do that. The, the documents will be far enough um, in advancement that a solution is imminent and that the solution can be considered. 
I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us to work with the planning department of the municipality and start to use the BIM modeling to look at what that would actually look like. And I like the idea of the, of the digital twin. It'd be fantastic to see what that building would actually look like virtually in the community in which it's being proposed, rather than anticipating you know, this model would be on this street. I think there's a real uh, advantage for people to see in 3D what's happening. I think there's an opportunity for us to, to consider some of the requirements and ask ourselves, does it still make sense to ask for the requirements in the format they're asked for now? For example, a sun and shade study. Why do we need a report? Can't we just look at the building and, and evaluate what that building has or the effect that building has on the neighbor? What if we looked at the open space? If we modeled that building and we showed people actually living in that building, we showed occupants outside and inside the building. We showed vehicular traffic in and out of the property. Could we look at that and say, it looks like it's functioning. It looks like it meets the intent of our vision of what we wanted that development to look like. In order for us to get there, we're gonna have to make some changes the way that the facts and regulations are written. Again, that's why I think it's important for these types of conversations to take place, where we share with, with all levels of government, this is how we would like to design our buildings. This is how we would like to plan for our construction. How does that fit in with our rules and regulations? Can we change them so that municipalities or the approval agencies are ready to accept it in this format? Again, that's why I'm super excited because I don't think that conversation has started yet. We're, we're all taking small steps to see what's right in front of us, but at some point, the requirement and the municipality are going to come together or the approval agency, whoever that happens to be, and will they be ready to receive it in the way that it's presented? I love the example that Arash gave about the BIM model having to be flattened in three dimension in order to be submitted. There's a lot of information lost there. That is true. But there will be also a lot of delays in getting approvals if the regulation that allows us to issue an approval hasn't caught up to the technology that's asking for it. So where would you see as the starting point? Is it like, do you need uh, municipalities to be asking the provinces uh, to move forward on this? Or do you need the development industry or do you need the two to work together? I think we need the two to work together. I think one of, one of the challenges in Ontario in particular is the authority was, was transferred to the municipality. So we have a, a provincial code that's administered locally by the municipality. So there's a bit of a connect between what the province has authority over, they write the rules, and what the municipality accepts as the, their interpretation of those. So I, th I think it's important for them to work together. And I know they we are, there are, there are groups out there. There's the uh, Chief Building Officials Group, there's the Ontario Building Officials Group, and we're all working with the province to, to try to um, maintain some harmony. But what I still think is missing is more of this, this exact exchange right here, where industry and government are coming together to understand what some of the pressures are. And uh, just to elaborate on that a little bit, uh, we've we've looked into this problem for again quite a number of years, and uh, our latest initiative, One Ontario, uh, was formed for that particular purpose of of bringing all the stakeholders together who who need to be at the table, and then invite the government to join. So to Ralph's point, where uh, we need to invite government, uh, we're doing that. Uh, we have levels of government at the municipal level who are very engaged. But anything above municipal, it just takes a lot of effort to engage with the government. So not that people don't want to engage with the government, it's just that government is very, very slow, um, frustrating slow 
uh, to respond. So uh, in one Ontario, for example, we have the chief building officials, uh, large municipal chief building officials. We have Ontario building officials. We have planners. We have the residential builders. We have the ICI sector builders. We have technology providers. We have the likes of Terion and Hikra and other organizations who, who are looking for this type of data. Everybody's at the table. And what we've reached out to the provincial government with was, you know what, we are all together. We want to be able to communicate with each other, but we don't have jurisdiction. Not a single, a single municipality does not have jurisdiction. Even a sin, single ministry doesn't have jurisdiction, right? So you would typically expect this to be within MMAH, uh, Ministry of Municipal Housing. But then you have conservation, you have other groups that are involved in the development approval. So this truly needs to be a provincial, provincially backed initiative to actually get this done. But as far as everybody else except the province, we've, we've consolidated that support already and we've basically reached out to the provincial government and, and asked them to, to get this done. And what we are really asking here is a data protocol, an open data, open data exchange standard that basically um, sets the standard for communication between all different stakeholders that are involved in development approval so that all the investments that we are making in, in digital transformations can be leveraged later. Otherwise, what's gonna, what we're going to end up with, we already know this industry is very siloed and fragmented. And what's happening today is we are creating digital silos now that, uh, that, that need to be broken down before we can move on. So to your point in terms of how to engage with the government, uh, we've done from a private sector perspective, we've done everything we could do. Uh, we've allocated, we've coordinated, we've consolidated the support. Um, it's now time for the provincial government to step in and, and get this done because, again, from a jurisdiction perspective, it, it is only the provincial government that can that can get anything done uh, in this space. And I can see everybody who's involved in the development process, whether the municipality or whether the development industry, benefiting from having some standardization and predictability in terms of both uh, what, what questions are being asked by the municipality, how applications are being processed, and, and the timelines. Uh, so it, 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 it seems like a great initiative. So hopefully it, uh, it moves forward and moves forward uh, quickly uh, to get us up to speed. Um, Arash, you've talked before about... Um, other countries and what they're doing and where we stand on that. Like, how is that led in other countries? Yeah, so we did uh, an international scan uh, of all local government digitization initiatives, and they refer to as e-permitting. And we identified three levels of e-permitting. Level one being digital submission of 2D drawings, so PDF submissions online. Level two is the BIM submission to municipalities. And level three, is BIM plus GIS integration. Now, jurisdictions like Singapore started in 1995 on level one, submission of 2D drawings. 20-something uh, years later, Ontario is now moving to level one. So we have municipalities who are going from paper to level one, but everybody else is at levels two and three. Uh, so, so that's what's happening. We have uh, now Singapore, single state, country, a lot easier to get things done. Uh, but we have European countries, we have UK that's, uh, that's moving in that space now. For a number of years, they've been doing this. It's a long process. For, for you to, as a country or as a province, to become BIM enabled, uh, it, it takes somewhere between five to 10 years. 
because you have to start from larger projects and then you you start including smaller projects. But we got to start that process sooner than later. Um, the good news about going last is that there's a lot of examples that we can look at internationally. There's a lot of lessons learned. Uh, we're not, not only we're not reinventing the wheel, we're not doing anything dramatic. We're just catching up to what everybody else is already doing. So uh, there's a lot of good news there in terms of reduced risk. Um, so there's advantages of going last, but but we need to get moving. So uh, from an international perspective, lots of precedents, lots of lessons learned, lots of commercial solution to look at. So from an innovation perspective, it might sound like innovation to us, uh, and it is, uh, but from an international perspective, we are just catching up. So there's very little risk. Yeah. So for us to to use this as a as as a tool to build on for a smart city, you mentioned the need for a performance based code as opposed to our current code. So that does require a very different mindset in terms of of how we move forward. Uh, I guess like we're starting the process in terms of, of uh, asking the province for a building code that that meets digital needs as as we move forward. Um, is there any any lessons learned from other uh, countries that uh, you think would would benefit us in terms of starting that that journey or speeding up that journey? The, the reality of it is. Uh, we need to be honest and, and decide if there is a bill, right? Uh, if there is a provincial, we, we, we have had uh, elections federally and provincially focused on housing supply, right? We've, we've talked about cutting red tape. We've talked about a streamlining for as long as I can remember. But uh, unfortunately, when it comes to it, uh, the how willing are the governments to actually get anything done? And I know I'm sounding a little skeptical. Maybe Rolf can add a, a different perspective. But um, the, the reality of it is all of this is doable. There, there's nothing here we're talking about that's not doable. Other countries have done it. There just needs to be the will. We have the expertise. We have the expertise in this country. We have the talent. We have the expertise. We can help the government get things done. But the government would need to want to. To get things done. So updating the building codes, um, putting data standards in place, um, equipping the culture of innovation through performance-based codes, all of that is doable. Um, but and, and we have the talent locally to, to, to help the government to get it done. They just need to be at the table. Uh, that's, that's my perspective uh, on this. Again, nothing earth-shattering here as far as we're concerned from an innovation perspective. There's, there's nothing earth shattering. There's, there's, things have been done. However, if, if you want to comply to existing bureaucratic uh, process in, in everything we do, then well, nothing gets done. Uh, so, but, but we do need that innovation to be enabled. And that enablement comes from the government, from, uh, in, my, in my opinion. Challenges we have in Ontario is it's, it's big. And we have 444 municipalities. So try to get 444 people organized. I mean, the examples that that Arash gave with the larger uh, areas like Singapore, they have a, they have a lot. Their, their challenges are different, but they're but they're unified already. We have 444 uni, uh, municipalities. If you put 444 people in a room and ask them to agree on something, it will never happen. Right. And that's why we keep saying, where does it go? Do we push it up to the government? Do we say the provincial government has to do it? 
that, that's a fundamental change from the way the code is written. As I said earlier, the, the code delegated that authority to the municipalities. So what we're trying to do is figure out how do we work within those rules? And does that make sense? Or do we try to change the rules? Do we try to figure out does the, the code need to be rewritten or adjusted to say that certain aspects should be governed at a provincial level while other aspects could remain at a municipal level? It's it's an interesting challenge. As I said, too many people, it's, it's hard to, to get consistency. And is, is our... Um, are the projects big enough to justify BIM? Not in Oakville by itself, probably not even in Toronto by itself, maybe Ontario, but likely it would take at least all of Canada to get organized before we have enough uh, capacity to say this makes sense that we have a BIM mandate and that we have code standards that are unified. Breaking it down into small jurisdictions, I mean, that's not my area of expertise, but I'm just thinking about how complicated it sounds. I, I can't see it happening for just a small jurisdiction. And we've been working for decades at the municipal level in terms of trying to resolve the issue of how long it takes to get through the permitting process. Mm -hmm. um, with some success, uh, still lots of room for improvement. Uh, Ralph, you've been at the forefront of a lot of that, and you're working uh, with Oakville and with the region of Halton on some of that. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing with the tools you've got? Yeah, it's actually even bigger than the, the region of Halton. So I, I'm part of what we call the Large Municipalities Chief Building Officials Group. So that's a, an organization, or not an organization, it's a group of um, uh, municipalities that have a population of over 50,000. And we meet uh, twice a year. We talk about issues and trends with the idea of trying to create harmony within our interpretation of the codes and standards, but also to utilize technology and, and look for, for common approaches to technology. We figure with, with this group of municipalities, 44, maybe we're up to 45 now, maybe we have a chance of bringing this together. So we're working together. We're looking to work with vendors, developers, anyone that has an idea that wants to share with us, what solutions do you have that could work for a collective group of municipalities as opposed to taking one municipality at, at a time? So it takes a bit of effort on both sides. We need to get organized to have a common ask and we would appreciate if, if the vendors came to the community and say, we have, a, we have a common solution for this group of municipalities so that we can start working uh, instead of one-to-one, -one, it's one-to-many, and we can start to create a, a solution. Okay. I refer to them as like-minded municipalities, right? So whatever that means, wherever they are within the province, we're no longer obligated or, or restricted on dealing with the municipality adjacent to us with the technology, just like this Zoom meeting. I don't know where everyone is, but we're all together. Yep. You know, geography does not play an important role. Same thing with technology. If we could take like-minded municipalities ac across the province for now, maybe across the, the country when we, when we have a harmonized national code, that starts to get exciting for us to have opportunities. Okay. Yeah, and at, at CBO, you have a lot of discretionary authority, uh, whether it's conditional permits, occupancy permits, approvals. Uh, will that help to standardize and, and maybe add a little bit better predictability in terms of how uh, an application might be handled? It may. It may also okay. frustrate it because it is an individual chief building official that has that authority. And so one may be more comfortable with, with accepting something. So for me, that's why it's important to have uh, tight rules around what authority a chief building official has. I think it's important for an applicant to be able to know whether their solution should be acceptable to a chief building official and not 
rely on uh, an individual's understanding of, of what's deemed acceptable or not. But I think that there's there's lots of room for um, improvement there. And again, for me, it's all about building relationships, relationships with the design community and with the building community so that we have this trust and we understand that we're in this together. We're trying to together build a product. We're trying to get it out there as quickly as we can. We're trying to create a cost-effective solution. We want to consider the environment, uh, uh, carbon footprint, all those initiatives. We're all in this together. And I think the sooner we start to realize that and, and work on building that healthy relationship with one another, the quicker we'll get a solution. Yep. So as we move into this new digital world, uh, how has that changed your uh, approach to reviewing applications, and I'm thinking in terms of your staffing model, uh, has it has it made a difference? I think it's made a difference. I think we've improved the relationship with the designer in that we, we now share the drawings, we're working together, we're able to communicate through through Zoom meetings or whatever format we want to share documents, to, to um, review the drawings together collectively. And I'm pushing for more and more of that rather than the traditional where you write a note, write a note, write an email, deficiency letter, whatever it is, and back and forth that way. If we can bring all the players to the table, whether it's, as I said, a Zoom meeting or whatever format we look at, and start to have that uh, conversation and start to look for solutions together, I think that will accelerate the process. From an inspection side of things, a lot of the inspections are now be, being booked electronically. The inspectors are on site with a smartphone, so they're able to make their inspection notes and, and uh, improve the communication between the uh, constructor and the building inspector. And I think the turnaround time is, is much quicker, which I think leads to a better service and, and uh, quicker decisions on the construction site. And like in many other areas of the municipality, IT skills become more and more important. Well, that's exactly it. And I, I look at the uh, three-dimensional modeling and wonder, you know, all those kids that are sitting on the couch playing all those video games, maybe that's a future building inspector and plan examiner. They're so familiar with the three-dimensional virtual world that they might excel at, at doing a plan review and a building inspection, as opposed to those that are accustomed to physically walking through buildings or looking at plans. So it's a really exciting time for the next generation of building inspectors, plans examiners, constructors. Thank you. Thanks. Um, just wanted to leave. I know we're at uh, at our time limit. If there's any last uh, last words that uh, you think are important to impart to our audience today, same as I said earlier, I think it's important to get involved, engage with the municipality sooner than later. Talk about your short-term plans, your long-term plans, and the process will be much quicker. I, I go back to the example with the parking garage becoming a battery storage. Great example. If you know what's going to ha what's happening down the road, the further down the road you can plan for it, or sorry, the earlier you can plan for it, the quicker that transition will be. Thanks, Arash. I think the the last thing I want to say is uh, we've seen already that by waiting and seeing, not much is going to happen. Uh, we as an industry, if we come together, we have a strong voice. Um, so, and there are issues that affect us all and, and getting permits faster, uh, streamline development approvals is one of those examples where everybody agrees this needs to be done. Um, so I think it's important to come together. Uh, and I just invite everybody who, who hears this webinar to, if, if they're interested in this space, get in touch with us, get in touch with One Ontario and, and let's work together because together, if we are one voice, 
uh, then the government will have no choice to, to listen and get things done. So I think um, that's what it's going to take, not just with permitting, but with uh, a lot of the other challenges that we have that are we are lacking digital infrastructure uh, to move the industry forward. Uh, we need to keep our politicians in check. We need to make sure that we, we put the ask out there and we keep at it until things get done. And I think together as an industry, we have a strong voice and we should use our voice. So uh, my last comment there. Thanks very much for your participation and your insights. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our Smart Cities Chat podcast series.